Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Jordan. Uh, Jordan is a musician and a podcaster and a lover of all things Dark Souls, specifically Dark Souls 2, which I know will make a lot of you very happy. So I think this is a great episode and I think this is a great conversation. So I'm not going to keep you from it any further. Enjoy it. start at the beginning and uh why don't you tell me how you got into the soul series um so when i was in college it was probably my junior year or so um i was playing in a band at the time and uh i had a roommate and he came home and he said uh i you know i bought this game dark souls it was like 20 bucks at the time or whatever um and he said that the clerk wouldn't stop talking about it he says he, he's played it a thousand times it's the greatest and so my roommate and I sat down to play it and, you know, obviously not knowing anything about it, got into the uh, the skeleton graveyard and died <laughs> a thousand times. Um, and I and that and that's where the, the reputation of Dark Souls being real hard was hurting it because we just thought, yeah, this is the way to do it. Like, we just have to keep fighting these skeletons um, and we're not having a good time. <laughs> And then suddenly my roommate finds like, oh, no, we can go down the stairs here. And we end up in New Londo, um, which was an even worse time because then we didn't understand why ghosts weren't, <laughs> yeah. you know, why we couldn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he shelved the game for, you know, we played for an hour and a half or so and he shelved it for uh, months. And then I was playing in this band and one of the uh, guitar players in this band was a big fan of it. And he kept talking about it. He said, no, you got to You got to keep doing it. Um, you got to keep trying it. So, um pulled it out again and really sat down to it. Cause by this point, this was months later and I had only heard good things. Um, and I pulled it out again, played up through, uh, the undead Berg and got to that first bonfire. And again, this was before I, there's a really, there's this really weird kind of disconnect between, and I'm sure everyone who's played dark souls or bloodborne or whatever has it in that moment where uh, there's two parts of your life where you don't understand how it works and everything feels wrong and foreign. And then afterwards where you can't imagine them changing anything. (laughs) Um, So I was firmly in that first spot where I I kept thinking like this checkpoint system is really dumb. Why should I have to go back every time Uh, this, you know, this doesn't make any sense. The combat's kind of fun, but boy, this is ridiculous. Um, and then I put it away again after that for months, and it just took lots of lots of people talking about it. And eventually, um, I pulled it out again, and I'm I'm kind of ashamed to say, just because of that reputation of it, I sat down and played the whole first game through with with a walkthrough, just because it was kind of this big terrifying thing. Um, and on on top of people saying it was difficult, the other thing that got me was um, the the secret nature of it, and. Uh, those two things combined where it was like, yeah, you'll have a tough time on this boss unless you find this ring that's, you know, hidden in a part you'll never get to. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so <laughs> it was that thought of, man, I, I don't know if I could beat this on my own. Plus I need all the help I can get. And, and I really loved it. Um, it definitely was one of those experiences where 
um, after I beat it, like I had like an, I had like a good 15 minutes of sitting there feel like feeling like I actually did something. Um, but it, it did take a long time. And then after that, I, I was even hesitant to play, uh, cause dark souls two had just come out at that point. Um, when I beat the first one and I was even hesitant to go play that and even Bloodborne when they first came out just because I remembered how struggling so much with Dark Souls 1 and thoroughly enjoying it but just it was such a uh, for you know for lack of a better phrase like emotional commitment mm-hmm. to, to get into so um, eventually I got through them all though um, and just and grew to love them and firmly got myself in that camp of like, okay, I understand everything now. Um, so yeah, it was a sort of typical story, just people telling me over and over. And I was, I was one of the slow converts, but eventually, eventually I got there. So what was it like playing dark souls one with a, with a walkthrough? Were you like, did you really have like a, like a guide to completion kind of thing? Or were you just like, was it telling you story stuff or is it just strict game, gameplay or, or what was it? Well, what really got me back into it, um, you know, in addition to, to pe- people just telling me, um, and even, even the guy in the band I was playing with, um, he was one of those, um, annoying dark souls people who would say, you'd ask like, well, why is it so good? And he's like, no, you just got to play it. You got to figure it out. And then he'd spout some memes or whatever. And so like, he wasn't even a great argument for it at that point. Hmm. Um, and what really got me back was, um, that was around the time when I was watching a lot more YouTube as entertainment. Um, just because, you know, I was a college student, didn't want to pay for cable or anything. Um, and I stumbled across the, it was the Dave control videos of the lore and, and seeing stuff. And, you know, it spoiled it for me because I was, um, I hadn't played, I'd only played through the undead Berg at that point, but seeing things like, uh, the Gwyn's four nights and, um, all that stuff was like, wow, this, that's all in this game. That's really, really cool. And I like the way that it's presented. So, um, that got me back into it. So story stuff, I was pretty well versed on actually by the time I got around to playing the game and, uh, the walkthrough I was using was simply, uh, pretty mechanical. It was just, uh, you know, down this hallway is going to be this thing down this hallway is going to be that thing. And there's, I, I relied less and less on it as I went on, but, um, for a, for a minute there, there was a time where I would not make a turn down a hallway without looking at that guy and seeing if there was going to be something that jumped out at me. Um, just cause I was so concerned about, um, you know, wasting my time and having to go back and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I regret it a bit now, but the, my, my most specific memory with it is the, um, the dark root, you know, I get those areas confused, dark root forest, either the one right before the moonlight butterfly, um, that's got the, the stone warriors in it. Cause that, I mean, that took me weeks. Those guys were ridiculous. And then I'd wander into some of the ant monsters and, uh, that area is a nightmare, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's those stone monsters were like a huge hurdle for me in my first playthrough. Like just, especially when they would cast, um, uh, is it something of peace, right? Like the yeah, walk of peace or something tranquil, something I always Tran- call it chwap, but I can't remember the actual ne- acronym now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it was like that. And yeah. And I exact same thing. Like I got that and I thought, well, this must be the hardest thing in the game. And then, well, you know, we saw how we see how that turns out. Yep. <laughs> not quite the hardest thing in the game. Yeah, turns not out. Exactly. <laughs> So after after you did Dark Souls, you went to did you go to Dark Souls too? Or 
Um, yeah, but it, it took me quite a bit um, because a because um, I just wanted a break from uh, that that style, and b I was I was just real hesitant because uh, on top of hearing uh, well, the two things I heard about Dark Souls too is that it's harder and terrible. <laughs> Because you know the internet is hyperbolic, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I well actually that being said, um, I bought it. I bought it used for about thirty bucks. Um, the the original copy when it came out, and I said, um, okay, no walkthrough this time. Like that was a mistake. That ended up. That, I mean, it was fun, but I, I I lost the feeling of discovery with it. So I just went and bought it and played it for a while. And I did find it much harder because um, I think at that point, I, probably because of the walkthrough, I still didn't really understand like the Dark Soulsy kind of uh, uh, combat style of really take it one at a time and be careful. And granted, Dark Souls 2 is a little different than Dark Souls 1, but I don't think that much um, in terms of play style anyway. Yeah. Um, and I got through, I beat, oh, geez, I beat... Um, the I got I got two great great one souls um, Freya and oh not oh and the Lost Sinner because um, that one's those are kind of the first two mm-hmm. or they're two of the first ones I guess I I never would have found the old Iron Keep in a million years I don't think because <laughs> that yeah who would go back um, that that was frustrating so. Um, I can't tell if that would have helped though, because the, the old iron keep that area is an absolute killer. Um, so I I was playing through uh, Bright Bright Cove Seldora and just hating it. A mm-hmm. because I I don't like spiders as enemies, and it's not because I'm scared of them. It's just I don't know. It's one of those weird personality quirks, I guess. It's just off putting enough to me that sure. I don't like fighting spiders, um, especially giant ones. Um, and I loved I loved the design of the boss, but the boss took forever. Um, took me so many tries, and eventually I just stopped playing because it was too hard. And I thought, ugh. Um, and then and then a couple of years later, once they had released Scholar of the First Sin, um, and again I had watched more lore videos. It was mostly uh, the Vadi video ones this time, and I thought like, oh wow, these sound like really cool little stories. Um, Especially like uh, uh, Raym and Velstadt, like stuff like that. It was like I I want to see more of this, and I think what really sold me on Dark Souls Two, and even to this day, because it's I I have a lot of appreciation for it. Um, I think I think Dark Souls One probably plays better, but when I think about just kind of the fun I've had, I usually like lean towards Dark Souls Two, and I think part of it is just because it's so varied. Um. Because, you know, while I was stuck in this this crystal uh, mine, there was, you know, the undead crypt and the Shrine of Amana, and those those areas just looked so cool. And I was like, I haven't played anything like that, and I really want to get there. Um, so eventually I got the, for, for like 10 bucks, I ended up getting the Scholar of the First Sin edition with um, all the DLC and spent a good chunk of time playing through that. And by that point... Um, I had I want to say by that point I had played Bloodborne and I really loved Bloodborne right away. Um and I was just more confident and had a lot better time with that. And it was still hard, especially once you get to the DLC. Some of those are just absolutely ridiculous. But Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. And and you know, I, I've always had the 
I'm one of those people who I don't have much trouble with the the bosses that give everyone a hard time, but the the ones that, you know, it's dark, like Dark Souls will always challenge you somehow, but, um, you know, uh, Fume Knight took me a handful of tries, wasn't frustrating, but like Sir Alon was, I, I tore my hair out over that for a long time. And then, well, and then anything with like the challenge bosses was ridiculous. Um, just because of those areas, but yeah, it took me a long time to get back into Dark Souls too. But I, I look back on it really fondly. Just I, I think just because um, of all those little short stories, that was really appealing to me. Um, and those are all done kind of in a fun way. And I actually like the way that that tied up the the whole um, series theme of light and dark, and the idea of you know harnessing them rather than uh, doing one or the other and just going over and over. I thought that was a unique take on it. It's interesting that um, the just the way that the world is designed uh, with that kind of spoke, the idea mm-hmm. of, of spokes radiating off of one central place as opposed to Dark Souls 1 where it's it's much more interwoven, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I totally, totally get the appeal of uh, having that, that interwoven thing and having that feeling of taking an elevator and then suddenly you're um, back to a place you've already been. Like that, that is very cool, but... Um, the, the way I, you know, it just, it, I guess it never bothered me having kind of the hub and spokes because the areas were fun. Um, it's what they do or it's what they did on purpose and they did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even with a game like Bloodborne where uh, they, they sort of did that within areas themselves that would loop back on each other, um, even in there, and I love that game, but it got to the point where I knew I like knew to look around for the elevator switch or something at some point. Cause it was like, well, I know there's going to be something that folds back on itself. Where is it? <laughs> um, cause yeah, they repeat that uh, quite a bit in there. It's a fun trick, right? Like that's, I think a lot of people really get a lot of satisfaction out of that, but it's at the end of the day, like it is, it's, it's a game design trick to, you know, Oh wow. I can't believe this is here now. Like I can't believe I came all the way back. And I think, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I, I think, I think the best version of it, at least um, in that game was the, uh, Murgo's Loft, or yeah, I guess Murgo's Loft, like Nightmare uh, area, where you had to take two cage elevators to get up to the place. <laughs> yeah, and that and, all, and that always fun Dark Souls trick where you get to jump off the elevator to find a secret shot, a secret place. Oh, and and see, that's the kind of thing I'm always terrible at. Mm-hmm. Um, even knowing that they do that all the time, um, it's it's it never works out for me. Um, and it's you know, and especially one like that, you know, playing through Dark Souls two and especially Dark Souls, well, Dark Souls two and three both give you Titanite slabs like nobody's business, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Um, but that's kind of one end of the spectrum, and then dark, and then Blood. Ah, I'm gonna end up saying Blood Souls and all that. Um, <laughs> Bloodborne, um, Bloodborne, which like super secret area, you get one Blood Rock to get your weapon up, and that's it. You have to defeat the brain or whatever. Um, that's on the other end of the spectrum, but, um, but yeah, blood, bloodborne was, uh, super fun for me just because I, I love the kind of Lovecrafty thing. And I think the, the story is kind of most straightforward and most, I, I wouldn't say most interesting, but, um, just thematic wise. Cause honestly, I've never been a huge, uh, real like fantasy standard fantasy kind of person. Um, I've never read Lord of the Rings. I've, I've only seen one of the movies, actually. Um, and so the, the whole Lovecraft thing was a lot more interesting to me. 
Um, and it, w- it was fun to see that. And that was a game that I got right away because that, that was almost my preferred play style was to go to just to play fast. And so there wasn't an adjustment. And even it didn't bother me that there weren't many character cho- or like, you know, class choices just because that's how I always ended up playing anyway. So it, it really worked out. Yeah, Bloodborne is um, it's it's interesting because I think a, a lot of people associate uh, video games with that like kind of mid- Middle Eastern, not Middle Eastern, excuse me, that uh, medieval like fantasy troop. Like that's the Skyrims and the, a lot of Marwind mm-hmm, right. and stuff, and that's where I think a lot of people come to video games from. Uh, but Bloodborne be, having such a drastically different setting, I think, uh, was off putting at first for a lot of people. But the more I talk to people on this podcast about it, the more it seems like it drew more people in. Like as soon as they realize, like, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily need you know dragons. I can just have this weird stuff. Like they they get way more into it. Yeah, and what's and and although I'd really love actually a Middle Eastern set fantasy game, that would be really interesting. Um, uh, I, I do think I do think that's part of it because it's not even so much that it's like a palette swap of thing. Like instead of a dragon, you're getting the giant werewolf. It's like this is a, a really unique take on everything. Um, and you know, instead of ten different types of short swords, like here's a giant saw. Like it's it's. It seemed a lot more, I hate to say creative, because Dark Souls is obviously endlessly creative with a lot of the stuff it does, but um, it, it's just jumping off such a, a less uh, less trod path that um, it caught my attention right away. And plus, you know, I'm a sucker for like a tri-corner hat and a long, like a, a duster <laughs> coat. Like, who, who doesn't love that? That's great. Fashion Souls and Bloodborne is so good. I was... Uh, it it <laughs> is. And, and that was, it took me, because I was also like... The guy in, in Dark Souls one who was wearing uh, like you know the top half of Havel's armor and then something else and, and looked just like a real fashion nightmare just because that was like min maxing the stats as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so concerned about the numbers and making sure the numbers were good and the numbers were high and um, I, I did lose some of that just kind of adventuring fun of it. Um, so yeah, when, when Bloodborne came around and it was like, yeah, each piece of armor is unique and kind of situationally appropriate, but Hey, if it looks good, go for it. Yeah. It's, um, I I like the way that Bloodborne handles armor a lot. Like just have that, that flat, like, you know, Hey, you get a, you get an increase in defense. Like we don't, we're not gonna worry Mm -hmm. about upgrades or anything like that is it makes being able to choose those different outfits um, seem a little bit more meaningful and not just having to like, cause once you start min maxing, it's really hard to get out of it. I think like once you get into oh, yeah. that, that, that idea of like, I'll have to have 98% and 24.9% equip load and all that. It's, it's really difficult to let that go. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's kind of this, this constant stressor on you thinking about, well, I'd love to try that piece of armor, but yeah, but a, it's too heavy and B, you know, the one I'm already using is plus two and slightly better. Um, and, and I can, I totally get the appeal to like the, some die, like people who are like diehard, um, into management and stuff like that. They, they want more, um, you know, you have more things like that. And I can, I can appreciate that, but yeah, just having it be a total, don't worry about a thing. Equip loads, not a de- not a big deal. Um, you're, you're, you're going to end up playing like this anyway. It's how the game's designed. I, I really appreciated that. Um, cause I, I was always, you know, quick roll person and I went back this last summer, I went back to dark souls one and did the whole no shield thing after playing bloodborne. And it's, um, 
like it going back to that i was like man i don't know why i'd ever use a shield now like this is way more fun <laughs> it's uh it's a lot more exciting that way it's um it's such a shame that people get kind of caught up in that sword and board like there's nothing wrong with that style of gameplay like i'm right. not gonna i'm not gonna tell you that you're you're playing it wrong or anything but uh that going without that shield and either two-handing a weapon or you know having a mm-hmm. like a parry and dagger so that you can do attacks with it or whatever is so much more interesting and fun to me uh oh completely yeah um i, I did the kind of standard two-handed uh zweihander run through and um because what what it was after playing bloodborne and even after um uh playing every other game like i noticed if there's a boss i have my shield out but every time it attacks i'm dodging Mm -hmm. and i think that was just kind of a psychological thing because you know if the giant dragon swings his tail at you your first instinct isn't just to stand there so um, like I noticed I wasn't even using the shield really. So why not just get rid of it? Yeah. Um, and ended up, and it ended up making things like, a cause the first time I played dark souls, I didn't play any of the DLC. So going back on it and playing thing, you know, playing the Artorias fight without a shield and the Calamite fight, um, was actually just a ton of fun like that. And it felt, I hate to say like more fair or whatever, because it's video games and who cares about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but it, it felt, I don't know, thematically kind of appropriate, you know, no, no one else is really using shields here. So, so why not? Yeah. It's, it's, especially going back to dark souls one. Like I think if, if people, if you're listening to this now and you've only ever played dark souls one with like heavy armor and a shield, uh, like going in with the requirement of, Hey, I'm going to not use a shield and I'm going to keep my equip load under 25% so I can quick roll is it, mm. it changes the, like people complain about dark souls one being a little slow and kludgy and it is, but if you, keep those requirements in mind it becomes a much faster game like it plays a lot more like demon souls does yeah completely um and i i've never quite managed to keep the equip load that low just because part of me is still paranoid about um about uh armor numbers so i, I was still i think i was still um like medium roll but you know it was the, the difference was noticeable mm-hmm. um it just was a ton more fun and i i felt um more not not less cautious, but like just more willing to dive in and roll around and see what would happen. Um, and plus, the, you know, and something that doesn't get the Dark Souls doesn't get a lot of credit for. Um, I lately, whenever I play one, I'd, I'd end up making a female character instead, mm-hmm. um, just because you know, just because I, I played male characters my whole life in video games, and the fact that yeah, I can be this uh, two-handed weapon user who's using giant sword and armor, but it's not gendered armor, and it's not, um, you know, there's no distinguishing characteristics if you're all geared up. Like, that's that's just a cool idea. It, it doesn't make a difference. Anybody can be anything. Yeah, it's, uh, like, ha- having that like completely be different than other games right like you know i I can't really Mm -hmm. think of an example offhand but just having you know the bikini armor kind of thing in video games is so it's so incredibly annoying and the differences yeah when when dark souls actually does make a difference between female and male armor it seems significant in a in an interesting way like if you like i'm thinking of the pyromancer set in dark souls one which looks completely different on women than it does on men and but it doesn't like it's not like oh hey she her boobs are hanging out or anything like that it's just a completely different outfit and it makes you think well like do pyromancer like do male and female pyromancers get trained differently from where they're from like it makes you ask lore questions and not dumb you know (laughs) it doesn't just show people off or anything like that yeah it's it's definitely not just like a male gaze kind of thing and Mm -hmm. uh and what really uh sold it to me was um 
the it was the Kanehurst sets in Bloodborne because it was like oh yeah this makes sense thematically like oh, I guess like lords and ladies would be different um, and wear different gear here but yeah at the same time it's like well designed and not just for us to look at mm-hmm. um, and and that was and that's and that's just really cool because like as as a teacher um, you know I, I deal with kids all the time and kids uh, for. I, I'm, I do right now. Anyway, I do seventh and eighth grade. So middle schoolers and, um, you know, kids for like everything that people say about them are more kind of socially aware than we think. Um, and, and we'll, and we'll, and we'll pay attention to things like that. And even, a, even a game like, uh, the Witcher three, which I, you know, I adore, it's one of my favorites, but, um, when you use like the alternate costumes for Trish or Tris, excuse me. Um, and it's, and it's real cleavage heavy. Um, <laughs> is it real? I've never, I've, I've played a little bit of Witcher three, but I haven't gotten like real deep into uh, it. So I'm using alternate coffee. Is it really that like, like it's, well, and it's, <laughs> it is, it is. And I, I was, you know, I'm lucky enough to have summers off. So it was a good summer game mm-hmm. where, um, I could sink a lot of time into it. Um, but, and, and I really, and the, I think it got me more cause I really liked Triss. Like that was the, the character that I, I leaned towards more. Um, and, uh, once I got like that free DLC, they did and got the alternate costume. She goes from, you know, looking relatively normal to having like the, the deep V neck all the way to her navel. And <laughs> oh, wow. okay. like, yeah, just it's, it's ridiculous looking like, not only is it like, uh, supposed to be the sexy costume, but it, it turned, it goes from like, uh, peasant medieval stylings of Witcher three to like, uh, you know, used bookstore sort of high elf weird fantasy style in in the push of a button. It's real bizarre looking. I will say, um, I'm actually reading the Witcher books right now, and uh, I, this is totally off the subject for Dark Souls, obviously. But since we're just happen to be talking about it, the uh, the books right. are very much like that as well. Um, like I just interesting. There was a scene with. Um, Yennefer where you kind of get introduced to Yennefer and it's like it's that kind of stereotypical male fantasy of you know just a dude describing a woman in a ridiculous fashion like for way too long and I'm like okay I get it she's hot you got me okay 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 you're, you're, you're continuing on okay that's fine okay we're, we're just getting into it you've made your point i got it and i'm, I'm curious yeah, because I, uh those are translated so i'm curious if that was if that's in the original text or if and like is the translator adding that oh, or question. you know you know those kind of things because otherwise like the story is really really interesting and good and like the the witcher seems to be a like i can see why they, they chose this as a video game but it's yeah mm-hmm. the, the, the male gaze stuff is, is a little bit too much for me sometimes yeah and I, i've understood that even the first couple games in the series were worse at that even um so I, I only played the third because I, you know, I'm, I don't have a, uh, well, I shouldn't say like I don't have a nice enough computer. I just don't really have a computer to run any of that stuff. So um, when it hit consoles, that was the game for me. Yeah. Um, and and I was I was kind of warmed away from the books at a certain point. I had a friend who said like you're gonna like the game. Uh, the books have great setting and great story, but the guy, uh, and it might be because the translation like it does, it's not written the best. And it, yeah, it's definitely that, but that seems way more of a translation thing, I think, than than anything. It just and again, yeah, I'm not I'm I not deep. I've only read the uh, like I guess the first book, The Last Wish, is like three stories. So like the quote unquote first right. book is actually number four. So I'm a little bit into number four now. But uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. there's definitely some some wonkiness, especially in those first three. But the the fourth one seems to be a little bit better with that. So yeah, they're definitely on my list eventually. 
but you know this isn't don't give up witcher which is my right, forthcoming right. witcher 3 <laughs> podcast <laughs> my buddies over at uh duck feed just released like 100 hours worth of witcher 3 content so i think i think they've got I, that I covered mean, yeah it's amazing you could keep it to that um yeah yeah i could talk about that all day but you're right different podcast <laughs> i'm curious um we haven't really talked much about the story uh like you i know you mentioned like you were kind of watching vadi and all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. when you were going through bloodborne is that something that you were trying to piece together that story for yourself or were you sort of relying on the internet to help you out with that um i had heard a couple things and i was uh, again a little slow on the uptake of getting bloodborne um just because i was still in that um that period where i was like oh this is probably a fun game but man i remember like how much work dark souls one was and Ugh. Um, but eventually i picked it up and i i'd heard a couple things here and there um but it was one that i that what what stumped me the most was um and it's something i kind of have to remind myself about dark souls one is that um the bonfire system the respawn system um, just made a ton of sense as far as a respawn system, as far as fitting into the story. Um, like there was, it wasn't just that you or you had a new life and you were starting over. It's, it was that, you know, this is part of the curse and it's all linked to the first flame and that really worked. So for a while, the thing I was struggling with while I was playing Bloodborne is, you know, why do I keep responding at lamps? Like what, this doesn't feel like it has as good of an in-game reason. Sure. Um, and and that that stuck with me for a long time, um, even as and 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 as more of the dreamy stuff started to emerge, it, it felt like okay, so you know a lot of this is kind of dream logicy, um, and not in a bad way, but that's kind of how it played. But um, yeah, once 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 it got to um, you know the blood moon and all that, and it started to change, and you know I was really thinking like okay, so this is more dreamscapes oriented and i i really i really do love the story of of, um bloodborne the the thing that uh it took me a a bit to to kind of come to terms with was that there wasn't going to be real concrete answers on purpose Mm -hmm. um just the idea of what the nightmare is and what murgo was and um, all that is kind of murky, but that's that's on purpose. And I was really looking for like those concrete answers to it. Yeah. Um, and and they weren't there, but I, I think I appreciate that now. And even um, you know, chalice dungeons are just kind of a hot piece of garbage. Um, Whoa, now wait but, a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, no, I'm kidding. I can. Um, I'm, I'm way past my and, argument about chalice dungeons phase. So. Yeah, yeah, old topic, and and I'm. You know, I haven't played them with a, like a co-op person, but I'm sure like that turns everything fun. So, um, but I actually really like the story of the Chalice Dungeon, and I, I haven't kind of forced myself to play through to the Yarnum boss fight, but um, I, I really do love the, the actual story of it, where um, you know people were digging and searching for things and just got too close to uh, to something that they shouldn't have messed with, and it kind of released all this stuff. I think that's really interesting. Um, and I think it even works kind of in combo with, um, the old hunters where you have cause who washed up on shore and then that kind of started a whole different side of these things. Um, I think, I think they actually work really well together. Cause I know a lot of people were kind of down on the whole finding blood underground and chalice dungeon thing, but I, I thought it worked. I think that was, um, 
that was one of the most like interesting things about the chalice dungeons where the story of like this 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 group or this organization digging and digging and digging and finding stuff and like oh wait there's shit down here so i gotta i gotta dig further and then you know help pulling these things up out of the chalices and then you know enshrining them thinking of a a breedus right and like building churches on top of them and uh weird weird stuff like that is really fascinating to me yeah i totally agree and i would have loved to have seen it get like the uh the you know and i know that there's a lot of value to um sort of the dungeons how they're presented but i would have loved to have seen it have been like a proper area and get like the real from software touch um to where you know even like if that's a late game area you are going down to confront whatever's down there and um i i i would have loved to have seen that i think that would have been really cool it's a shame um like i it's a shame that the dlc almost took that away like to me um you know the ending of the dlc kind of tells you a different story about how all of this stuff got started even if it's like both can exist but i was way more interested in like this like the idea that all of this stuff was there as it and just waiting to be found or like buried underground or, or whatever yeah and i agree and i and i yeah and i i had to kind of tell myself like oh it's a companion piece it feels like they're trying to uh kind of retcon the whole thing but just think of it as a companion piece because um yeah i I really like that idea of humans um just not knowing when to quit that seems more lovecraftian to me Mm -hmm. is um that pursuit of knowledge um even when it's a bad idea versus something just washing up on shore and people kind of poking it with a stick um and I'm I'm a sucker for ocean themed things and uh, like and anything with an ocean monster I think is cool but um, yeah something about a great one just being like an ocean thing uh, left me a little dry but the part I really did like about um, Bloodborne the DLC and that I haven't seen really explored um, and maybe it's just me not looking around a lot is the idea of just that last boss the the orphan. Um, existing because you know it keeps saying great ones are sterile Mm -hmm. and can't have children so i'm more curious about that um and i'm the the thing that has that's interesting to me is that um it that boss specifically and i know it had a tough time because it's coming off the heels of lady maria and that's just an amazing fight um and story really that was a good marriage of kind of both of them um but the thing that's interesting to me is that the if the if the idea of, of the great ones for the whole game is to create um, a child and it's supposed to be this great one human child, um, that's essentially what the orphan of cause was, and that's where it succeeded. It was this it was this great one that was acting like a hunter, and you know had a weapon that switched, had a trick weapon essentially, and was using the same fighting style. And I thought that was interesting, but I haven't heard that talked a lot about. Yeah, that is that is kind of interesting. I don't. I'm uh, I'm I'm a self confessed like I, I like the stories, but I don't. I I just don't have the capacity to to go in and like get real deep on them. So <laughs> I, right, I, I, and I you know so when people come up with those things, I like I want to I want to go on Twitter and be like, hey JSF, what's up? <laughs> like, can you can you explain this? Or you know, uh, our castative on YouTube is really good about that stuff. She so could put stuff together like in in nobody's business. So. And yeah, and part of it, part of it is me being, um, you know, an English teacher and looking real deep into everything and trying to get meaning out of everything. But um, yeah, just this idea that uh, they, you know, that's a success story. They got their their great one hybrid child, and 
you know, instantly after being born, it's the toughest thing that you'll face. Um, plus, I know a lot of people didn't like that boss fight as much. I thought it was wonderful because um, just because it was kind of the epitome of the Bloodborne system of keep moving, keep moving, attack when you can, um, and just real frantic. That's one of my, that's, I think that I've been on record for saying that's probably my favorite boss fight ever. <laughs> like, I love it yeah, so much. I, uh, I really do as well. And also, like, that's one of the times when, like, the from naming convention for something um, really works for me. Like, the orphan of cause, that's super cool sounding. Yeah. And and I know the, uh, the or, you know, I can't say I know, but what from what I've read, the, the actual Japanese translation of it um more translates to i think it was the the infant grown old there you i'm go. like wow yeah. what a title that is that's awesome <laughs> and then right after the living failures which is probably like the most from soft name i've oh ever my heard god i love and i love the living failures because like boy do they look like that and boy do they fight like that yeah it's like, it's that's a weird boss fight and it's so it's, it's just a weird, weird. thing yeah in, in, yeah in front of the towers of sunflowers and that's great mm-hmm. um yeah i have i actually have a lot of affection for the living failures and and that's the thing even the bloodborne i go back and forth on whether bloodborne's my favorite entry in the series um and i think a lot of it is because even like the goofy bosses like that or the celestial emissary are just like really charming even if they're not great boss fights mm-hmm. to me um because you know celestial emissaries you just keep walking backwards and take a swing every now and then and living failures are super easy to parry but like something about him is just so fun and like i like the designs and the ideas a lot yeah it's and uh, I, I get it's I, I hate picking right like because i love all my children equally um but mm-hmm. it's every time i play bloodborne or talk about bloodborne i want to go play more bloodborne so yeah <laughs> like i feel like i feel like that has to be um even though i'm, I'm just starting a, a dark souls one run right now so like that has to happen <clears throat> yeah and and i i totally agree i played bloodborne more than any of them and i think part of it is just because it's an easier barrier to, barrier to entry like mm-hmm. i don't have to decide on a class and all that and it just feels like i can get into it quicker but man it's i i totally know what you're what you're saying and um I, I even had um, a student come to me the other day, and it was interesting because uh, they 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 saw me. They'd heard me talk about it because I, you know, I'm not shy about talking with kids about things like this because it's like, hey, you play video games, I play video games. What can we? How can we relate to each other here? Um, and one, this it was uh, it was a girl, and she came up and she said, "So my sister's boyfriend." Um, we were talking and I mentioned he plays Dark Souls and now he wants to know what your favorite boss is. And um, I sat there and it was after class. So she should have been on her way to her next class. But again, it took me, I I sat there two minutes thinking like, man, what is my favorite boss? (laughs) I I feel like if I say one thing, then, so I ended up giving her this list and her eyes were just like wide because I knew she didn't know anything about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, this means nothing to you, but you go tell him he's going to, he's going to really get it. <laughs> well, talk to me about, uh, Dark Souls three. Like we haven't really, uh, mentioned t- much of that. So. so Yeah. So Dark Souls three was the first one that I went and got on, op- on release day. And it was the first one that I made sure that I didn't have any, um, prior knowledge about. I avoided, um, any sort of spoiler, any sort of, you know, here's the first area of Dark Souls 3 or whatever it is, because I, I wanted to go into it 100% absolutely clean. And 
that was a bit <laughs> that was a bit disappointing um, that that's the game I chose to really hope to discover some things. Um, but I, I think it, looking back on it, and I've played through it a couple times, mm-hmm. um, I I really love how it plays because I think it is a good marriage of kind of classic Dark Souls and a little bit of quicker Bloodborne style. Um, and I, I think it plays beautifully. Um, I was a bit upset um, that they kind of disavowed most of Dark Souls 2. As someone who has uh, more uh, affection for that game than... Most people do. I, I was uh, upset that they took away some of the cooler things, um, like the story of, and they kind of play with it a little bit, just like the idea of um, capturing both the light and the dark in order to end the age. And they, they do that in a really esoteric way. Um, but something simple as like dual, lead, dual wielding any weapons. Like, why take that away? That works, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but that being said, I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of distinguish, like, is it, were some of the areas and bosses not as memorable just because they weren't as memorable, or were they not as memorable because Dark Souls 1 has this, um, you know, cult status, and, you know, there's everything from Dark Souls 1 is this legendary thing, Um so I don't think anything could really measure up to that. Um, but that being said, I, I liked a lot of the ideas there. I liked the, I actually liked a lot of the boss fights, um, and I don't think they get enough credit. Um, and even like I, I'll, I, I haven't gone on record as saying this, kept it a secret, but like I even liked the Ring City mm-hmm. um, as DLC, and I, I put the Slave Knight Gale fight like up. I, you know, top five or top 10 at least, because I really had fun with it at the end of the day, regardless of um, how the story presents it. Like, I just I just thought that was a fun fight. Just in general, like what what about it specifically? Um, I, I think that it, it played a lot to the style I, I was playing at, that it was real fast paced, a lot of um, kind of stick and move about it. And it's a, a similar it's like it's like an Artorias fight, um, but a, a little faster, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially that uh, that first phase where he's um, kind of hunched over. And I mean, boy, the theming of it there, like I, I could understand and, you know, I could I could see myself debating the, the merits of even having him as the final boss. But just the intro of him hunched over and eating somebody like boy that's yeah that was cool um <laughs> and the setting of it this you know sudden ashton wasteland that's i i like that a lot um still not sure on surprise gwyn daughter that was eh but um the the fight itself like yeah it was just real fast paced um and i i understood everything he was doing really quick even if it was difficult um and i think that uh, that played into it for me. Like even when he his cape started getting attack powers, and he would swing, and then his cape would follow up. Um, it was it was uh, animated, so I could understand that that was coming really easily, and I knew that it it wasn't a surprise when it happened um, after I had seen it. So I, I think it was just real well made like that, and even things in the last phase, like the the spots on the ground that will light up. Um, you know, that was clear enough that I knew I probably shouldn't stand there. Um, <laughs> like, you know, and that sounds silly, but no, no, uh, <clears throat> it makes sense. Like it's telegraphing you and you're telegraphing to you what you should do. And you're, you know, taking that and, and running with it. 
Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and, and in a way that it didn't take me getting hit by something to understand it. Um, it, it, it all felt really natural. And it was one of those fights that even when I would die, um, like, like for instance, I, I, uh, the only boss I ever got assistance with in dark souls three, and I'm not saying that like, um, you know, like, look at me, I'm really great at this, but, um, I'm just too cheap to play or to pay for PlayStation plus. So <laughs> I, that's mostly it. I usually play single player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I needed to summon someone for uh, Lady Frida um, just because that's that was ridiculous. Um, and whenever I would die on that, like restarting, I didn't feel like I was having a good time. But with, with the Slave Night Gale fight, like I would die and then I'd restart and be like, let's do it. This is great. I'm having a good time with this. Um, and that's what it comes down to for me at the, at the, the very end is like, am I I'm going to fight these bosses a lot? Am I dreading it or do I really enjoy like getting back into it? So. That, that fell into that camp for me. And, and just the theming of it, like um, two people at the end of the world um, fighting each other and his, his sword was mostly broken. And like, it, it just, I, I really like the presentation of it as well. Although, uh, you know, I was one of those people who uh, was really expecting a, like a bigger bombastic end, like, oh, we're finally going to get to see Velka or something. Um, so after that fight, you know, I wandered around that area for a while looking for the next place to go. I didn't realize it was the final boss and, and it doesn't help that there's still a fight that can happen out in that area after you beat the, after you beat him, Mm -hmm. which was a weird choice. Um, but overall, and, and I hadn't gone back and, and like a good, I guess a good point of comparison is, um, the dark eater Madeir fight. Cause I, I beat that, uh, quicker than I think most people did, but it wasn't fun to do so, you know, that, that was more of a, of, um, I just need to beat this because it is a challenge and I cannot leave content on the table. Sure. Um, unplayed. So it, it, it took me a, you know, a good, a good couple hours in one morning, but yeah, it just wasn't as interesting nearly to me. So, so where, where are you at now with the series? Um, like, I think we've talked about it, most all of them. I don't, have you played Demon's Souls? Or are you still going to go back to that? Or? No, and that would probably be the next thing I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's absolutely no reason I shouldn't play it. Um, but it was one that I, I just didn't play and then have had trouble going back to. A, because like there's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm firmly in the mode of um, having so many other things to pay for that most games I'm getting nowadays are like older ones that I'm kind of catching up on. And there's just a lot on that list. Um, and I think B is part of it. The, the fear anyone has of like, well, I've played all the other ones. I can't go back to the first one. It's going to feel weird. Um, and, and I know it'd totally be worth it, but that, that is the next thing I need to do in regards to the series anyway. What are you? Uh, what are you looking forward to from From? Like, are you like, kind of like the rest of us and just waiting on that Bloodborne Two announcement, or are you kind of looking for something different from him? Um, I would love to play Bloodborne Two. At the same time, I think I would hate that it exists mm-hmm. um, because, and uh, you know, one of my, I think my all time favorite game, just from real emotional standpoint, and then great gameplay too, is Shadow of the Colossus. Um, and people ask me that the same, you know, same kind of question, like, well, wouldn't you want to play a second one? And it's like, it would be fun, but like, I, I really don't want it to exist because I don't think it needs to. Um, and I, and I, unless they did something really cool with this Bloodborne lore, because like part of the, the best thing about Bloodborne was that turn halfway through where it, it shifts into more cosmic horror. 
Um, and I would, I, I don't know what you could do with that if we already knew going in. I'm sure the game would be fun, but um, as far as stuff I would want to see from them, you know, the standard answer is something sci-fi themed. Um, and I think they could do something cool with that. Um, I would love to play uh, uh, one of, like an armored core. I, I never got to play one of those, so a, a new one of those that has some traits of this, but um, you know, isn't just a copy of Dark Souls with mechs. I think could be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I, at the end of the day, um, I think they're, they're they're a company that just has a lot of trust from me. So. I'm just curious to see what they'll do and I will go try it um, just based on all the goodwill that I have for them and that, and that, that, ah, and that they provided. Um, but I, yeah, I would love to see them reach out more from, I, you know, I hate to say comfort zone cause they've done a lot of things, but you know, they did Kingsfield, which was medieval and dark souls, which was medieval. And, um, I'd like, you know, the farther they get away from that, I'd curious what happens because like Bloodborne kind of went off the wall and it was great. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of those unique weapon designs were just super cool and super fun to play with. So, um, yeah, I would love uh, for them to get uh, as weird as they can. And even something like um, I don't know how they do it, but um, something like a modern day game in this uh, in this kind of engine. Um, where you are um, not necessarily going from castle to castle or whatever, but you're in a city going from building to building, and what would that look like with just kind of normal people around? Yeah, um, I, th- I think that could be interesting, but that could also be a huge flop. And there's a reason I'm not a game designer. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I any I I'd like him to take risks, I guess, because I think that's when we get some really cool stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, they've earned enough enough goodwill for me i'll I'll stick with them um no idea what shadows die twice means but (laughs) (laughs) the 10 seconds didn't give me a lot yeah it's um you know i i didn't go out and make an 11 minute lore video out of it or anything (laughs) but you know and i i haven't watched any of those just because like i don't want to but man i'm so curious how how you can do that by by all accounts he you know they he, he kind of leaned on some of the community members and, uh, you know, just pulled specific things out of that little trailer and said, well, like, okay, mm-hmm. this has a, this has a style that is very reminiscent of Tenchu and which was an old from software game for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that they use this kind of writing and it's, it's this kind of like dart on the wall or whatever. Like, so if we talk about Tenchu and then he talks about <laughs> Tenchu for a couple of minutes, so it's not as, it's not as ridiculous okay. as it sounds, but it's, it's just so random to me that like, that's the joke that I made for so long, like all the way back to dark souls Two of like, Oh yeah, body's going to do like a, like a 30 minute video on you know this uh, a, a single trailer and then it's actually happening now and it's just <laughs> so bizarre to me <laughs> and, and 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 he's another creator that's like you've done nothing but good work so like i i don't want to make fun of what you're doing mostly i just, I, I feel kind of bad for those people who built their their whole uh you know i don't want to say career but their whole um business on dark souls stuff because yeah it has an end and there's a definite shelf life to it yeah, it's um that, that cottage industry that sprung up um, mm-hmm. and then is now slowly but surely dying down. Like, it's interesting to see who's coming out of that and, and going like, oh, OK, like I can actually do other stuff. Like, I'm not just a From Software person. Yeah, um, and it's, it's exactly because FromSoft had like and again, coming from like my English teacher background, 
um, really cool way of telling the story. And I think that's why I like a game like Shadow of the Colossus as well, because it's real minimalist in a way um, and super interesting. And you really have to analyze and dig deep. But I mean, yeah, those skills can be used anywhere. You can analyze any sort of game um, if it if it will stand up to it. I, mm-hmm. I hope that they do find other things and that people continue to watch because. Uh, yeah, half the fun of playing Dark Souls is playing it and then looking online for all the stuff that you missed or just talking about it. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, what is, oh my God, did Dark Souls come out in, what, 2011? Right? Uh, yes, 2011. Yeah, fall of 2011. 2011, so, yeah, so seven years later, and, you know, I'm on a podcast about it, so... It's ridiculous. Yeah, half the fun is just, like, talking about um, the experience with it, so... Um, I've never encountered another game like that, um, really. And I've never encountered one that I've been trying to get people to play so fervently without being that dick. That it's like, no, just play it. You got to play it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You want to you make sure that they play it, but you don't want to tell them anything about it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I my, my last experience, I told someone to, I was like, and he's a guy I knew would enjoy it. I was like, I know you're going to love this. Um, but he, he got Dark Souls 2 like on a Steam sale or something. And I said, yeah, they're kind of independent. I would play from the first one, but you're, yeah, play from the second. It's not going to matter. Um, and like, it was, it was so hard to tell him to just like, keep trying. You know, I know it might not seem fun, but trust me, keep trying. Mm -hmm. Waste all your time on this. Go ahead, do it. (laughs) Um, so yeah and and it is nice to actually have a community out there to talk to about it because sure. my wife doesn't want to hear about it anymore um yeah she, she doesn't care and i don't blame her god god bless all of the um i used to say dark souls widows but i'm trying to be a little bit more <laughs> gender compliant so all of this dark Souls significant others that just get left in the dust before yeah you know, exactly. their partner gets obsessed with dark souls well jordan thank you very much for guesting this morning i yeah. really appreciate it uh can you tell everybody yeah, where you can be found on the internet yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Osbojo, that's O-S-B-O-J-O. Um, you can also, um, I, I do a, a podcast with a friend of mine, and it's still sort of in its infancy, um, but not video game related or anything, a uh, real loose kind of comedy podcast that's on iTunes at Chill Zone, at the Chill Zone. Um, got a few episodes up there. Um, and if you are... A, a heavy metal person at all um you can find um the the band i used to play with that i mentioned a couple times um on facebook spotify uh youtube itunes uh at lions beside us if you're into any of that music at all um that's sort of another hobby of mine so i'm getting getting all my projects out there hopefully they find some ground cool yeah um yeah i'll uh, i'll link a bunch of that stuff in the show notes so if people are curious they can go check that out cool thank you as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. I just started Patreon, so if you want to support the show directly, you can do that. You don't have to, though. I, just listening is, is enough. Um, but if you want to support it, it's there, patreon.com slash don'tgiveupskeleton. iTunes reviews and ratings are always appreciated. I've had some especially nice ones the last couple of weeks, so thank you very much for those. It's, it's super nice that people seem to be enjoying the show. Um, and I think that will do it. Thanks again, Jordan. And uh, remember... Don't give up, skeleton.
Generations will cease to be My mind will 